0: Amen. Thank you, Gracie. Friday, I was sitting at a car dealership service department, and my phone rang, and it was from Ronnie Owens in Kingsport, Tennessee. I have not physically talked to Ronnie in months, uh, realizing that uh, not long ago he was uh, with a youth group, Kasia, I believe maybe in Gatlinburg in the Smokies, and started feeling rough and the next thing he realized is he was in an ambulance on a cart and he had suffered a stroke. He doesn't have uh, full use on one side, but he's back to church now. He's not preaching on Sunday mornings, but he's teaching a class and I think maybe doing a Wednesday night service. Uh, so I praise the Lord uh, for just hearing Ronnie Owens's voice. Somebody's saying, who's Ronnie? Ronnie was a full-time evangelist for many years, has been here a number of times, and And uh, with all those years of making fun of the pastorate, God called him to pastor a church. And uh, he said he wished he would have listened to us more when he was in our churches. But God is using him greatly. He thanks you for the prayers sent his way. But I wanted to give you an update on Ronnie Owens as he continues to heal. I want you to take your Bible this morning and join me in Luke chapter one. We're gonna be in Luke one and then we're gonna back up to Matthew chapter one just for a minute. Uh, To our guest, we're in a series entitled Christmas Has a Name, and we've looked at hope and love, Uh, and today I simply want to talk about heaven's gift, the gift of heaven. The song Gracie just sang, uh, when you really listen to the words, um, come and see what God has done, really should be the of every believer, because you and I can sing and proclaim, "Come and see what Christ has done in my life." You say, well, it doesn't seem like he's done much in your life. Well let me just remind you what he has done for us. He has redeemed us from hell, saved us for heaven. Amen. So your life is a testimony. Your life is a message for anybody to read. This Christmas. And, and I want us to just make sure we understand uh, the focus once again is Jesus. And if we miss the mark, we're going to come to the other side and we're going to think it's a little empty. And why wasn't it like Christmases in the past? Christmas is about Jesus. And when we instill that into our kids, and when we instill that into every worship service we have, or every song or every class we teach, then we're on the right track to understand heaven's gift. It's a life-changing gift. So I take us to chapter 1, and I want to begin with verse 26. And we're going to look at Mary, and then we're going to take a look at Joseph. Heaven's gift, Luke 1:26. The Bible says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Here's what I love about the word of God. It is consistent. Amen? Amen. It's consistent. Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus was as follows After his mother, Mary, was betrothed, engaged, espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then, Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Father, have your way this morning for these few moments. Capture our heart's affection and our mind's attention. Lord, uh, any distraction in the world in which we live today, I pray that you would just uh, gather us together, Lord, so that we can hear you. Thank you for your word, the living word of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I love the fact that the word of God is consistent. It doesn't contradict itself, it affirms itself. It's the wonder of of it all. And you see it in the announcement to Mary, and you see it in the announcement to Joseph. God loving us enough to become flesh and dwell among us. That's the story of Christmas. William Clark wrote these words: The wonder of the incarnation is not that God Himself was embodied, but that he expressed himself in the wonderful life of and character of Jesus Christ. I believe we are reminded in Scripture today that God loved us so much that he allowed us to understand his love by coming to the world in which we live as a baby. Now, engaged. I asked this question this morning and was blown out of the water, so I might as well throw it out here to you. Who thinks in the in the room right now who thinks that you were engaged the least amount of time before you got married? Raise your hand if you think it's you. keep them up a few okay, how long Lewis did did he just say two weeks? Okay, drop the mic. I bet you does anybody else? Can anybody beat that? Holy, t- how long were you engaged? <laughs> okay, for those watching, Gary and Anita were engaged for 24 hours. I'm not sure they're legally married. Wow. Wow, that, that's, that's love at first sight, right, Gary? Um. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned that Anita keeps shaking her head. I, I don't know what that means. Okay, well that's awesome. The first, the first service was six weeks, uh, six weeks and seven weeks. So that was crazy. Okay, here's the second one. Who thinks you were engaged the longest amount of time before you got married? Raise your hand. Okay, how long, Elizabeth? Five years. Three years. Over two, five years. Okay, Renee, Renee and I—we uh, were we dated five. Um, so, I believe I believe this first service was old, longer than that. I think seven. So, really says more. Bill, that says more about you that it took her five than than it does. Okay. Well, listen, the the Bible deals with engagement in a little different way than we do or we have. I mean, to be betrothed, to be espoused in Scripture was talking about engagement. Most would last one year in Galilee. It was a binding agreement, a formal bond that would be dissolved by divorce. Now, Deuteronomy says this, if a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed to a husband and a man finds her in the city and lies with her, has a physical intimacy with her, then you shall bring them both out of the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry out to the city and the man, because he humbled his neighbor's wife so that you shall put away the evil from among you. And the Bible says, when Joseph... Her husband, a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly, that says a lot about Joseph. Because he, he, he has a, obviously a, a hard time of understanding it all. But just as God spoke to Mary, God had to reaffirm the whole divine plan in the life of the chosen earthly father, of the Lord Jesus. He was righteous. He learned what had happened. He understood he was permitted to divorce her on the grounds of infidelity. If she consented to it, then they would appear before two or three witnesses and it would be a private divorce. If she objected, she would stand before the court and three rabbis and the divorce would become public. So Joseph does not want to shame the one he loves. And in the midst of all the uncertainty, guess what? God steps down from heaven with a message right for him. And you're going to be part of the plan. Now go back to Luke 1, and let's get back to Mary. Now, in the, verse 26, let me read it again. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Her name was Mary. And having come in, the angel st- said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. The angel announces to Mary, that you're going to be the mother of heaven's gift. And when you look at Scripture, verse 28 says, Rejoice, highly favored one. Heaven's gift is about joy. Amen? Uh, joy, rejoicing, it means to be glad. It means to be well. Uh, and I believe with all of my heart that you and I as Christians should be the most joyful people in the world. Anybody want to say amen? then why is it at times we're cranky, mean, walking around in despair, acting like we carry the weight of the world when we have the joy of heaven in our hearts? Joe Mormon said it this way, joy is the echo of God's life in us. So the most Natural thing to come out of a Christian's life should be something that is glad, something that is happy, something that brightens up a room. Amen. Doesn't, not something that sucks the life out of the room, but something that says, There's joy in my heart. Come and see what God has done. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about rejoicing. Psalm 33:1 Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful, the Bible says. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So as a believer, knowing that the Lord of hosts is with us, Christmas is certainly a season to rejoice, that God just doesn't just see the plight of man on earth. He becomes one of us so that we could understand how much he really loves us. Jot down a few notes with me here this morning. Here's the first one. Heaven's gift is about the joy that comes in Christ. Now, for about a year and three quarters, we've been living in a time where joy has been sucked from the life of most people, including many Christians. And while the lost world might be in the corner wringing their hands, wondering what's going to happen next, folks, you and I know who's in charge of what's happening next. So we can't bury our heads in the sand and think that life's just going to pass us by. God has put us on this planet for such a time as this and gives us a certain amount of days to live a life to shine the hope of glory to a world that's looking for it. Joy. Evangelist Billy Sunday said, if you have no joy in your religion, your Christianity has a leak in it. So there's something to this when you think about serving the Lord. Now, in verses 29 and 28, Mary's response, or 29 and 30, Mary's response is certainly understandable. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, number two, heaven's gift is the answer for your fear, and his name is Jesus. He'll bring peace into your heart. He wants to bring joy into your life. Now, when you think of the word of God, he had to give Abraham some encouragement about his call on his life. He had to do the same thing to his descendants, that I have a plan, and and I will give you what you need for your plan. The Word of God says he had to give Moses some encouragement. Uh, When the Bible says, uh, do not fear, for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. He will meet your needs. He will lead you, Moses, but make sure you understand there's a healthy fear of God that you need to follow. Now, God gave Moses the promise, but he also gave Joshua the very same promise, that I'll be with you, don't be discouraged, don't be afraid. I'll I'll go with you wherever you go, I'll give you strength for the journey. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 26, don't fear others, but fear the one who knows everything, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. So when you think about joy and fear in a Christian's life, when you think about joy and fear in the season of Christmas or in Mary and Joseph's heart, understand that joy has come to the world in the form of Jesus Christ the baby, God incarnate. The Bible says in Psalm 126, five, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Psalm 51, David's prayer of confession, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Isaiah 65 14, behold, my servants shall sing for joy of heart. John 15 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. I'm telling you, the Bible has something to say about the way a Christian responds to salvation and it should be joy. Now, there's sincere joy and there's Unsincere joy. I'm glad I could take that uh, reflective pause there to come up with something profound for the back end of that. Um, you can only fool a kid for so long. They know if you love them or not. Teenagers know if you love them or not. But you can only fool them for so long. Um, for those of you that follow the sports world, Notre Dame's coach left South Bend to go to LSU, Howard's favorite team. He did a press conference at the basketball game and it looked as unsincere as anything I've ever heard in my life. As a matter of fact, he developed a southern twang within a few hours of going down there. And I thought, boy, the a Cajun country will figure that out real quick. Folks, I'm telling you, you never have to wonder if the love of God for you and me is a sincere love. God always has our best at heart. He always has our best at heart. His will for our life is the best place to be. But yet sometimes you and I fight like crazy to do our own thing, thinking we'll be happier. And maybe, maybe it's from going from job to job. I don't want to pick on him, but it might be like a coach leaving one team for another team or another team for another team or a pastor leaving one church for another church, or, or a church member trying to find the perfect place. But the will of God is always the best place, because there, in the will of God, you're going to experience joy that is rightfully yours in Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, don't, want to be, I don't want to be a crabby preacher or a crabby Christian. I don't want to get with our family if the Lord tarries and we have some kind of Christmas together. I don't want to be, oh, here comes Uncle Greg. Look, he's got his Bible under his arm. He's going to be preaching to us. He's the only one I know that wears a suit till our Christmas get-together. No, no, I I don't want to be that guy. I I want to be somebody that hopefully makes something a little better. Somebody bring an encouraging word to a meeting that's nothing but criticism. Somebody, at least, listen, folks, at least try. Because when joy is the theme of your life in Jesus Christ, it casts out fear and it brings something to the table every time you're with other people. And that's the good news of Christmas, Heaven's gift. Heaven's gift. Now, Paul knew about joy, and he knew about joy in the midst of sorrow. He knew about joy in the midst of imprisonment. He knew about joy in the ministry, and he writes this to Timothy in Second Timothy chapter one verse four. I'm greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. And then the Hebrew writer says, "Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith." Who for the joy that was set before him, was, was the cross joy set before him? Listen, endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And let me tell you something, because he sits at the right hand of the throne of God, when you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, You are saved based on what he accomplished at Calvary, not on your performance or how good you think you are or how long we've been in church together. It's because of Jesus. 1 Peter 1.8. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. And then... A little later in the New Testament, First John 1, 4, and these things I write to you that your joy may be full. So I'm telling you, there's something. When, when the angel announces it to Mary, she gets the promise, listen, rejoice, highly favored one. I think some people think when you become a Christian that you're never gonna have fun anymore. Like all the fun in life's over. How can you lay your head down at night and not know where you're gonna go when you die and say you're somehow enjoying life? I only, I only really began to enjoy life when God took care of my fear. And I recognize that I can lay down my head at night and know that heaven will be my home. And, and folks, I know sometimes uh, when we do funerals and things like that, there's, there's always somebody sitting here saying, Oh, heaven, you you, you just make that up to make everybody feel good. Listen to me. I'm telling you, heaven's the promise of God. That's the promise of God. And I'll hold to his unchanging hand in a world that changes every day. Not because I'm worthy, but because he is, and heaven's gift didn't stay on the throne of heaven. Listen, but listen, when Jesus came to earth, the throne of heaven was never vacant. What do you mean? God the Father, amen, God the Son. And listen, God the Holy Spirit steps into your heart. How how does that happen? Through faith. You accept heaven's gift. That's the good news of Christmas. Now, Mary and Joseph, simple statement, number three, total trust. It takes total trust to surrender to God's plan. You've got to be all in. Now, uh, oftentimes when we do a wedding, uh, traditionally the men will follow the preacher in, you know, and we'll walk here and wait on the first girl to come down the aisle. But there's a door right outside that door right there. And that outside exit door leads to 127. And a lot of times I say to the groom, are you all in? Okay, because if you step that way, you're saying... The bride's saying, where's my groom? We, we gotta, we, we've had a failure to communicate. We've got a problem, right? Or if I ask that question, what if, what if the groom said, I think so, I think so. I don't wanna marry Renee with some thank-so love for me. Right? All in. And total surrender is when you step all in. Here's what we do a lot of times. God, I, I believe in you, I trust in you, but this little closet in my heart, I'm just gonna hang on to. Because I think I can be happy following you and trusting you and worshiping on Sunday with my church family, but this little part here, God, I, I, just, I, I just enjoy this sin. Can I keep it? Folks, I'm gonna tell you something. When we do that, you say, really, Greg, how do you know that? I've I've been there. When we do that, we spend our Christian life looking over our shoulder. But when you step all in, here's what you're saying. Okay, God, I give up. I'm following you. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. And the story of Mary and Joseph. I mean, mean, ladies, those of you that have had babies, you, you get the picture physically. but you know the Father. God's plan was, Mary, the Father knows you. And you're conceiving, and, and, and we know you've never been with me, but this is what makes heaven's gifts so special. This is from heaven. And, and listen, and, and, and don't you think, Mary's thinking, what about Joseph, what's he going to think? God already had that taken care of as he began to speak to his heart about being the father of the Christ child. Look at 38. Let's back up a little bit. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the answer is, for with God, nothing is impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Total surrender. Let's keep going. Verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Number four, heaven's gift was here long before Bethlehem. Heaven's gift was here long before Bethlehem. I love this part, folks. John the Baptist, the baby in the womb, is the first one to worship Christ. He came as a child. He's worshiped by a child. And the Bible says we have to come to him with childlike faith. Now, let me just address this very quickly. If you're part of this church, we are pro-life unashamed. We'll stand for the value of life. And with everything, that the magnifying glass on abortion and everything taking place on Capitol Hill, folks, listen. We have to stand for the one that can't speak for themselves. You might be here today and say, Brother Greg, I... I've had an abortion, or my girlfriend did, or my wife did, or, or my sister, or family. We've, we've been through that. I can tell you one thing. God is a healer when you're willing to give him total surrender. He's a healer, he's a healer. Listen, maybe you're hearing and you saying, and I can't get over the pain. Folks, give God the pain because he wants to carry you. And he wants to use you. And and he, and he wants to remind you of his grace and mercy in these days when life seems to mean so little. So how do we do it? How do we do it? Let's keep going. The Bible says in 41 that John the Baptist leaps in the womb of Elizabeth. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And, and as you read on, uh, in the life of Mary, she sings a beautiful song. My soul will magnify the Lord. And, and when you magnify something, when you put a magnifying glass up, up against something, it just makes it big. And my prayer is this Christmas season that your life would magnify the Lord, that, that, that people would see a big God in your life. So how do I do that? How do I magnify the Lord? Number five, let your soul testify to heaven's gift. Let your soul testify to heaven's gift. That's exactly what happened to Elizabeth in this picture. She couldn't keep it in. She says, Mary, blessed are you among women. She encourages her. She affirms what God has already told Mary, that there is something special going on, Mary, and and how, how blessed I am to be part of it. So how do you do it? Now, before we close, I want to back it up. Heaven's gift was here long before Bethlehem. Okay, take your Bible. Turn to the Gospel of John chapter 1. Turn fast. Gospel of John chapter 1. John 1.1. In the beginning was the word... And the word was with God, and the word was God. Listen, God was in the beginning. He is the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Listen, folks, God became flesh. Was heaven's throne ever vacant? Absolutely not. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? That we might behold his glory, the glory that only is rightfully due God. So when people saw Jesus, guess who were they looking at? God in the flesh. God in the flesh. And until you realize that, you're going to view Jesus as just another preacher, another teacher. All know. All know. Heaven's gift was way before Bethlehem. Way before Bethlehem. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Flip to the right. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Okay, just a little short book, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed unto us the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So I believe God is pleased when it's about him. He's a jealous God. And when you think of heaven's gift, it far exceeds something that's unwrapped around a tree. So how do we testify? We let our soul, we we share our story. How do we do that? Let me give you a few things. First of all, you have to trust him. Trust him. I mean, give your life to Christ. Now, I'm looking out over the congregation this morning and, and know most of you. And I'd like to say that I know that you know Jesus Christ for sure as your Lord and Savior. But the truth is, only you and God know that. Was your decision real? Did you know what you were doing? Did you surrender your life? Has your life been changed? So you've got to trust him. Secondly, you've got to be cleansed. And aren't you glad today that there's not a sin in your life that God is not big enough to handle? And when you trust him, here's what you're saying. God, I'm ashamed of this, but here it is. Would you forgive me? And the Bible says we have cleansing based on Jesus, not based on our deserving it, but based on Christ deserving it. He's worthy. Now, the next two, I'm not sure what order I have them on the screen, but this will make sense. Write the word obedient first. Be obedient. Good. Because when you're obedient I was talking to a young man this morning and this, this is what I mean When you're obedient That's when you're going to see God use you See we, we want to live for ourselves, Do our own thing And then somehow wonder why God is not Blessing, blessing anything we do or, or not giving me joy that's rightfully mine Someone said you can find Jesus At the last point of your disobedience He'll be right there Wanting you to Confess it, turn from it, and give it to him. So be cleansed, be obedient, be used, and lastly, be on mission. How in the world are we on mission? Well, here's one way. In a couple weeks, we're gonna be part of what we call, once again, our Lottie Moon Christmas Mission Offering. That's where we come together as a church and give sacrificially to support our international missionaries all across the world. Let me tell you a funny story, and I'll close that took place Friday as I sat there in the service room of, of the car place. My phone rang, and as, as it rang, uh, I didn't recognize the number, so like many of you, what do we do? What do you do when you get those numbers you don't recognize? Hi, this is Greg. This is a time to come clean right here. And by the way, my number is 776. It doesn't look like a local number, so you better not do that to me, okay? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't recognize the number I clicked, so I thought I'll look at my email. I looked at the email, and here's what the subject said. Pastor Greg Jackson, Camden, Ohio. That caught my eye. I opened it up and clicked it, and it said, hello, I'm so-and-so, and and we are a missionary family in Asia serving Southern Baptists through the International Mission Board. We're both originally from the Midwest, and we have adopted First Southern Baptist Camden to pray for from Asia. I thought, well, shouldn't we be the ones praying for you? What a blessing. They've been there eight years. They have kids, four kids, I think. Wouldn't it be something if they spoke right here one day? That's what I'm talking about when you talk about supporting. You're, you're part of supporting missions, folks, whether you know it or not, just by every week offering we give. Every week. Every week, percentage of our, our offering goes to missions. Annie Armstrong, Lottie Moon, at, Lottie Moon at Christmas is about helping international missionaries. We testify. We testify with our life. We Lord, cleanse us. We trust you. We ask you to forgive us, but would you use us to be on mission? So here's the gift of Christmas is Jesus. What's our gift to Jesus? It would be to tell our story with whoever will listen. Folks, you're not, you and I can't save anybody. The Lord does all that. Are we in agreement? The Holy Spirit convicts. But we are called to share. So heaven's gift steps into our heart. And we're radically changed for the glory of God for such a time as this called life, my life. So I'm I'm calling upon every student every retired person, every person who hits the clock today, tomorrow, next week, to simply share with people the hope that you have that's beyond this world. And he has a name. Hope has a name, it's Jesus. Love has a name, he's Jesus. And he's the name of Christmas, amen? Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you can say, Brother Greg, I'm not, I'm not perfect. You're right on that one. I'm not perfect, but I know one thing, I'm saved. If that's you this morning, raise your hand as a testimony to the glory and power of God. Amen, God bless you, and put them down. If you're here today and you want to be, in a moment, we're gonna start singing. I'm gonna make my way to the floor. Tim's gonna come. Lena, I'll ask you to come and stand too. Maybe, maybe a woman just wants to come and pray. You're always welcome. But if you want to be saved today, you can, and I'll meet you right here, and we can